we're going to leave here soul winners. And love. Put your hands in the air. That soul through me. And me. great honor and privilege that I get to introduce my district superintendent, one of the most gifted and talented men you'll ever meet. He is a man of God. He and his sweet wife are people of prayer, and we're very blessed in the Louisiana district. What's great about Louisiana and Brother Tenney is he makes sure our district stays balanced. I want to tell you what, if you want to have a great church, you need to have a balanced church. You don't need to be extreme either way. And that's what makes our district one of the outstanding districts. We've got those that are extremists on one end. We've got some that may be a little too far the other way. But Brother Tenney has the unique ability of making sure that all of us love one another and stay a very balanced district. We're blessed to have he and Sister Tenney as our leaders. And you're going to be blessed this morning to hear him preach. Would you stand and help me welcome my district superintendent, Brother Tenney. Thank you, Pastor Mangan, for reminding us again that all of this is about a man called Jesus and a place called Calvary and a destination called eternity. Some time ago, I read a portion of an interview from some of the first Chinese preachers after the loosening of restrictions allowed into the evangelical churches in North America. They made a trip here. 95% of those who came had been imprisoned at one time in their life. When they finished their tour and they were about to board the plane, Los Angeles, to go back to China, some of the leaders who had worked with them said, what is the most impressive thing to you about the American church. And the leader spoke without hesitation and said, well, the most impressive thing is we are amazed to see how much the American church can do without God. I realized that they were principally visiting the what we call the denominational world. But sometimes it, it's amazing what we can do with talent. Head speaks to head, but heart speaks to heart. Don't ever lose the heart of this thing. Heart. This is a preacher's meeting. You know what bothers me about some fellows like me? I see these young preachers around this altar 
weeping and crying. But Brother Barnes, is, is some of us older ones sometimes, and you're a lot older than I am, and this doesn't include you. It's so hard for us to get back to tears. I don't ever want to lose my tenderness. Tenderness. God bless you. Uh, last night, that was amazing to see that Baptist brother baptized. Several months ago, I preached a revival in a, a large Baptist church in Tennessee. And uh, I have the tape of the last message I preached there by request. It's in the foyer. How I handled a group that were coming to the truth. My subject the last night was, what meaneth this? You do any good, Brother Tenney? The pa our local pastor brought me the tape during this meeting of a message that that Baptist preacher preached just a few weeks ago. And I had spent considerable time with him. The pastor, our pastor, said, you're going to hear yourself in this a lot, but he may not give you credit. He preached on Isaiah 9 and 6. The mighty God in Christ, it would have worked in this pulpit any day. People are hungry. Wrote a book, a little booklet, Keep the Fire. It's in the foyer of anything in the world we need to do is keep the fire. Why you talk about your books? Because if God gave me a sermon and I didn't preach it, God wouldn't give me any more sermons. God gives me books and I write them. God won't give me any more books if I don't talk about them. Some of you had questions about braided hair and gold in the hair that were in. We didn't get to them. I've got one chapter in here on some things I wish I'd known that handles that subject. My latest book, Secret Sources of Power, which has been with top 20 several months ago. God bless you. These are just for your perusal. They're for sale in the foyer and I believe in the bookstore. Thank you for being here. We teach what we know, but we, we reproduce what we are. Thank you for coming. Someone long ago said, you're my friend. When you can guard my failures, challenge my thoughts, and celebrate my victories. If you have your Bibles, while you're turning... Brother Morgan said yesterday that he was preaching that sermon by request. Brother Treadway, I understand, is preaching a sermon by request. I guess you can request sermons. You request songs. Now, Uncle Dan Hayes used to say the only sermon that shouldn't be repeated is the one that should not have been preached in the first place. Been there, done that. understand that I I had a message really that I thought was possibly God's word from me for you and several people talked to me about a message that I recently preached at a conference and requested that I I deal with this subject again and the Holy Spirit didn't tell me not to do it so I found that oftentimes as we mature in Christ 
we become stewards of the will of God. And maybe this will help you. Second Kings chapter 13, beginning with verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of the sickness where Avi died, and Joash the king of Israel came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. Took unto him bow and arrows. Said unto the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow, and he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. And then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians and Aphek till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite up on the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed and the man of God was wroth or angry with him and said thou should have, have smitten five or six times then thou hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice and Elisha died and they buried him Scripture says in verse 19, and the man of God was wroth. That means angry. I want to talk to you about an old man who died angry. An old man who died angry. Let's lift our hands and pray the blessings of the Lord upon us. <laughs> In the name of the Lord Jesus, we plead the blood. Take dominion over any spirit that would oppose the work of the Holy Ghost in this place. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Elisha was a great prophet. The Lord used him to divide Jordan. He purified the waters of Jericho by putting salt in the fountain. He increased the oil of the woman whose sons were about to be sold for a debt. It was Elisha's prayer that raised the son of the Shunammite woman from death. He neutralized the poison stew, quite a man. He increased the bread to feed a hundred men, and he healed by the power of God, Naaman the leper. And then he sent Naaman's leprosy on Gehazi as judgment. He recovered the axe that had fallen in the river by commanding it to swim. He revealed the counsel of the king of Syria, he opened the eyes of the servants to see the host of the Lord. And then he brought blindness upon the army of Syria. And then he opened their eyes again. Thirteen, I've just referred to thirteen recorded 
major miracles in the life of this great man, Elisha. And yet his last registered emotion is anger. Doesn't say he died glad. Doesn't say he died rejoicing. His last registered response to life was anger. He had an experience on his deathbed that angered him. The king had come to see him, and you know the story of the bow and the arrows and the smiting of the ground three times. Somehow, his generation through Elijah had received successfully made transition with how to operate and move in the Holy Spirit. How to be used of God. And here he was on his deathbed trying to do to the next generation what had been done for him. Not a transfer just of knowledge, but of the operation of the Holy Ghost so that it could be perpetuated in the next generation. He had tried it with Gehazi. You remember Gehazi? And he had trained Gehazi and admitted, admitted to Gehazi. And what does Gehazi do? He runs after Naaman with dollar signs in his eyes, becoming commercial. And he prostituted his gift for money. He did not transfer to Gehazi the magnificent obsession of what this is about. And he had one more time, I failed with Gehazi. Elisha had picked up something of a spirit. From old Elijah, and Elisha had been a wealthy man because he, he was with 12 yoke of oxen when he was called. That was very significant of wealthy, probably the only son of a wealthy farmer, Shaphat. And he left it all to follow Elisha. And he became a servant. In fact, one time they made fun of him and said, all I ever remember him doing was pouring water on an old preacher's hands. That's, a, that's all I remember him doing. He had a servant's heart. Somehow this man that had so much laid it down and literally became a slave to an old man of God. And when that old man of God was about to be taken, he turned to him and said, what do you want? He didn't say, I want twice as much power as you've got. But he said, if I can just have a double portion of your spirit, because something tells me it's your spirit, your servant's heart, your compassion that's made you what you are and I want that transferred to me and that servant's heart was transformed and transferred and consequently he had approximately twice as many miracles in his life as Elijah had when all he asked for was not twice as many miracles but if I can just have a double portion of that spirit That'll never lose its servitude. I'll always be willing to pour water. And Gehazi, do you want that spirit? But you didn't catch it because all you wanted was money. What's in it for me? 
and you would chase after money and prostitute your gift for money. He said, now I got one more time. There's no standard operating procedure manual for how to do this. It's something that one generation catches from another generation. And sometimes when we're at the summit of success, you're very close to the valley of defeat. So he got to King Joash, young King Joash, this is the last time I got another leader here and I'm on my deathbed. I failed with Gehazi. I've got to transfer to him not just knowledge, but how do you operate in the spirit? How does my spirit get in tune with the Holy Spirit and God reveal things to me and God speak to me because I owe it to the next generation to pass on to them what I got from Elijah. And they're not going to make it without it because look what happened to Gehazi. He took his gift and tried to build a financial kingdom out of it. I've got one more chance. You know the story. He called Joash to see him, and Joash came in. He gave him the bow and the arrow. You know the story. And he said, beat it and pull it. And he was following the instructions. He had the knowledge. And there's always a generation in the process of learning the ways of God. And I'm not just talking about information. You can have a Ph.D. and not know God's ABCs. And he was so knowledgeable till he was king. But you got to transfer that knowledge to spirit. For it to have power. Because somewhere I read, it's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And the issue is, do they know the ways of God? And do they know how to operate in it and how to move in it? Not Gehazi, how little can I do and get by with it? Not king, just hit it three times. How little can I do and get by with it? But you got to understand, you got to keep hitting it because persistence breaks resistance. I've already prayed, pray again. I've already fasted, fast again. I've already preached, preached again. I've already knocked doors, knocked doors again. And the Bible tells us he kept hitting it in the same place. You don't have to leave. Just keep hitting it where you are. Just keep hitting it. And don't be satisfied until a spirit of persistence gets a hold of you. And you know it's not by power nor by might, but God can. Satisfied with too little. Uh, new generation on the scene. A lot of seminars. Thank God for them. But there's a difference in theoretical knowledge and the pain of experience. And what he could pass the theological and the, theor the theoretical. 
knowledge on, the theory on. But can you take this, Joash, and operate in the spirit? So he said, I want you to listen to me. And he heard him, but he didn't hear him. And the Bible said, before it was over with, Elisha died angry. And a sense of failure and his blood pressure rose. Because this generation, he said, are going to be led and formed by a king that could say what I said, but he doesn't know how to operate in the spirit. He had a total lack of commitment. We challenge people and challenge people, and you can leave here challenged, but then you've got to commit to do what you've been challenged to do. And I'm not just going to leave the knowledge of the challenge, but I'm going to commit that when I get home, I'm going to keep hitting it, and 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 if nothing happens here, I come again, and if even less than happens here, I come again. I've got a word from the Lord. I may not have much of an emotion, but I've got a word from the Lord, and, and the Bible said it'll work, and, and Jesus said, go into all the world, and, and he said, you shall receive power, and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power, so all I know to do is to keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And something's going to happen. Everybody shout, something's going to happen. Do it again. It takes character. Stay with it. Samson sought power without character, and it brought his own downfall. God's interested in character, not charisma. I've said that many, many times. He said, add to your faith virtue. That's character. And then knowledge. You can have a lot of knowledge, but if you don't have character, if you don't build character first, your anointing can crush your character. And if all you're ever seeking is anointing and an emotional high and, 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 and oh, I want to do this and I want to do that, but you don't build character and fiber and the fruits of the Spirit and the fact that I love God and I love my church and I love my wife and I love my children and I don't want to fail Him because I love Him. And you can believe my word. I'm a man of integrity. If I tell you the truth, it's the truth. And, and I'm gonna, not going to smile at you to your face and knife you to your back. I've got character. wanted anointing very quickly there were six imperatives that were necessary for the transferring of the spirit of the miraculous not just the knowledge but the spirit first of all it was the sound in verse 14 the young man said, I, I see, you know, 
the chariots of the Lord and the horsemen thereof. That's the right words. You know where Joash got those words? 2 Kings 2 and 12. Elisha had said about Elijah, the chariots of the Lord, the horsemen thereof, and all of his life, Joash had heard, that's what you're supposed to say. Whenever the master left, that's what he Elisha said, and that's what you're supposed to say. But the difference is, the Bible said, Brother Mangan, that Joash said it. Yeah. But when it records what Elisha did, the Bible said Elisha cried. He didn't just say it. It wasn't just repeating words. He cried, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Elijah, I've got to have that power. I've got to have that spirit. I've got to have that anointing. But the next generation said, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. The old generation said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when God loves, he loves the world. When he gives, he gives his only son. But we can say, slap, slap, you better repent. You better get baptized. Don't you know that Jesus died for the world? He cried it. You said it. Am I making sense? Are we ready to cry? Because we feel. It's not just leave here saying something, but I've been impacted. I know the sound. And it wasn't the same sound in Joash that it had been in Elisha. You said the right things. No compassion, no passion. A passion for Jesus devalues all other passions. When he is the number one passion of your life, everything else is under that. My father, you know, we, we don't understand everything there is to understand in the scriptures. It was a changing of generations. And I'm going, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit, but why is it that as many blind eyes as Jesus healed, why didn't he heal any two of them the same way? Spit in one of them, spoke to one, laid hands on one. You go all the way through the scripture because he never wants us tied to precedent, to principle, yes, to truth, yes. He opened the river for the children of Israel to go through Jordan. And David, a man after his own heart, had to build a ferry to get across. Why didn't he open the river for a man after? God's not tied to precedent. There's some things I can't understand. James, one of the holy apostles, was killed with a sword. Peter was delivered. There's a lot of things I can't understand. But there, there is a sound. And this was his final act. The last thing he did. And the man said the right thing. But, 
But to prepare a man who was already in a position, he had to gather him to his bedside and disciple him. It was his final act. And I got to see if he's got it together. My brethren, someone spoke of unity yesterday. Not uniformity. Just as Jesus didn't always do it the same way. We don't all do it the same way. It took Jesus three words to raise the dead. Lazarus, come forth. But in the 17th chapter of John, seven times he alludes to or prays for unity. So does that mean that it's seven times harder to have unity than it is to raise the dead? There's some things you have to be dedicated to and committed to and say, you don't do it like I do it, but we're all here for one purpose, and that's the glory of God. And we all believe principally the same thing, and that is Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. He's coming back. He died for our sins. The book of Acts is still in effect today. you got to know the sound. The Bible said, if a man stands up to speak, try the Spirit. It doesn't just say, say the truth of what the man's saying in words, but you try the spirit of the man that says it because he could say the right thing in the wrong spirit. Take these errors. You got to learn to know. I can't explain it to you. Brother Barnes came. Brother Keys came. There is a sound. And only trained ears know. Somebody said to David, Whoo! The wind's blowing through the mulberry bushes. It's going to give us away. David said, That's not wind. What is it? That's the angels of God trotting across the top of those trees. I don't see a thing. Yeah, but something in my spirit says, That sound. It's not earthly wind. That's something we've got to impart to you. We can't theoretically give it to you. Somehow you've got to catch it of knowing the true sound. Then you've you got to understand how to identify your gifts. He said, take bow and arrows. You're in no danger. Shane, come up here. I want my grandson up here. Number one grandson. Why take You've got to identify your gifts. Now listen to me. This is more Bible lesson than anything else. As well as knowing the sound, you've got to be able to identify your gifts. Take, take the bow. Hold there. Now you, you, just, just hold them there. Now the king is a younger man but notice this in verse 15 he said take bow and arrows arrows are plural bow is singular the bow was the force the power that never changes arrows could be method no two arrows look exactly alike especially in those days because no two arrowheads in those days were exactly alike because they were made of flint so the younger generation looks in many ways to confirmation in the older generation. Here's what I'm here to tell you. You may not do it like we did it. 
but you're going to have to have the same source of power. Get your hand on the bow. He never said put your hand on the arrows. We may not all handle the arrows just like. Put your hands on that bow. No, no, just put your hands on it. Just hold it. Apparently, I used to preach this different. He just reached and because it never says he put his hand on the arrows. But he put his hands on the bow. What I got to transfer to you, Shane, is the same power. You may not do it like I always did it. And that's all right because it's your right to be wrong. But. Thank you. Don't lose the power. This is what I got to give you, son. This is what I've got to give you. I'm not going to fuss with you over your errors, but don't forget this. Your flint may be cut a different way, but don't forget this. Your arrows may not look just like mine, but don't forget this. This is what you got to get. The power, the power, the power, the power. You shall receive power. Not after knowledge comes on you. Identify your gifts. Same old firing mechanism. Sometimes we older men can intimidate younger men if we're not careful. You know why I think God, one of the reasons God took Moses? They started across Jordan River with the ark and the team of men. Moses would have been there. I can see him running down the mountain screaming, Stop! Stop! What's the matter, Moses? Where's the stick? You don't open rivers without a stick. Bless God, I was opening, opening waters before some of y'all were born. Bring me the stick, boys, and I'll show you how it's done. It was a different generation. In Moses' day, it was a one-man show. In Joshua's day, it was teamwork. Everybody get under the load. And nothing's going to happen until all of your feet touch the waters together. gets under the load oh we got leaders all right but everybody gets under the load and we got miracles all right because nothing happened until their feet touched the water but it happened when they all got under the load and followed the instructions of the leader but it was a different way but same God <laughs> Well, and, and then this generation, I, I don't want to go out angry. Bitter, cynical, Elijah had mentored Elisha for 10 years. Just identify your gifts, how God's going to use you. And, and don't expend your energies on a bunch of non-essential things. Chasing endless genealogies. I want this generation to discern what their giftings are and equip them with the proper weapons and the old time power. 
understand we still got a five-fold ministry today. Apostles. Prophets, what else? Evangelists, what else? Pastors, teachers. Apostles. Apostolic. And, and quit trying to name. I don't care what you call them. Are they doing the apostolic work? The thumb is the apostle because it brings grip to everything. Prophet is the index finger because it points out. Somebody was preaching the other day about those beady-eyed old prophets. Said when one of them walked in, oh my God, you never knew. They, was it you that said they'd repent on, on credit when they heard certain people were coming? Somebody preached that the other day. Brother Morgan, yeah, Brother Morgan, they repent on credit. No prophet coming. Then your long, your long finger, apostles, prophets, what? Evangelists, that's the longest reach to gather in. The middle finger, the, the, the fourth finger, which is the covenant finger. I won't tell you why it offends some of you, but the covenant finger. That's the pastors that keep us in covenant. Then the little finger is teachers because they give us balance. You ever notice how many things you balance when you pick up because of your little finger? And we need the grip of all of it. You need to know what your position is and stay in your position and give God the glory for your position and never wish you were somebody else because God made you as you are to use you as he planned. But it's the same old power. Now the third thing, you, you got to identify, no, be comfortable with who you are. Then the third thing, he said, put your hands on the bow. Not the arrows, as I told you. You got to teach them, this generation has to teach them how to use the gift. Put your hand on the bow. And, and, and here is the king with his hands on the bow. And this old prophet with his hands right there on the bow, got to keep the power. No, I got to transfer the power to you because I don't want you to lose it. You got to be anointed. Elisha may not have had the power to pull that bow. It was 70 pounds. Give him one of those arrows. Put it in that thing, but don't turn it loose. All right. Now, now, now pull it. Pull it. See, the old prophet said, I, I don't have the strength, but I want you to know my hands are still with you because I'm still guiding you. There's one thing I want you to understand. I want you, I, I want you to know that you've got a gift in it, and then I'm going to give you some vision when he pointed to the window, but my hands are still on it. But, but you're, you're the one that's about to let it go. Put that down. Let Brother Anthony. Let me have this, brother. You're a great man. Well, thank you. You still love me? I sure do. I like this new compound bow you got here. It's a nice one. What about me? You like me? I, I don't care nothing about the bow. I bragged that. on you. I Sit down. Sit down. Before we ever started. Sit down. The old charioteers in Rome. <laughs> Hold it. 
I'm trying to teach you how to use it. Your daddy and I forgot more than you'll ever know. Now sit there. Huh? I'd advise you to be quiet. I'm speaking to your generation. I'm telling you, later you'll be telling me to roll over in the nursing home. I know what you'll be telling me. But the old Roman charioteers, when they retired them, they didn't take them off the chariot. They would put a younger man in the front to drive, stand in front of this pulpit. Now, now put the reins in your hand like you got the reins. And the old charioteer that had been trained would stand on the back. And they would go into battle after much instruction. And if the young charioteer had the horses a little too fast and was making too quick, quick a right turn, the old man would lean left to give it balance. And if he was going a little too far the other way, he'd lean the other way to give it balance and say, wait a minute, son, let's keep this thing in the road. And every now and then he'd whisper to him, let up on the horses a little bit, let them rest a little bit. But the reins were in the hands of another generation. But the old charioteer was there leaning, leaning. I'm going to be around a long time. You know what Brother Mangan's doing? He's leaning. You know what he does? Anthony said, well, he's pastor now, Papa. But you know what he does? Lean on Anthony. He leans. He leans. You know what Brother Barnes does? He leans. You need somebody in your life that will lean on you and keep you balanced. Because we've got a destination. There's a victory ahead of us. This generation could be the rapture generation. And I don't want to die angry. There's a spirit you got to catch. Don't, elders, sit down. Don't withhold your hand of blessing from the youngers. But sometimes you got to turn the reins loose. Now you're there. And all you do is keep your hand on the bow to make sure they got the same old power. Just testing the power a little bit. Not going to fuss with you about the eras. When we started years ago, didn't know anything about the way y'all do Sunday school today. If S.L. Wells was alive, my first superintendent, and he'd heard some of this music you got on your platform, you'd have been before the district board, I promise you. And if any of us would have dared played golf, we'd have been before the district board, and he'd have probably had our papers. Am I telling you the truth? Right. In my father-in-law's day, if they took a dose of medicine or went to a doctor, they had to come back to the altar and repent before they got back in the church because they had trusted in the arm of flesh. You don't know what you're talking about when you talk about old-time Pentecost. But there's some principles of power and of how to keep this gospel going and of the old-fashioned birth of the water and spirit and living right hallelujah and holding on to god and praying and praying and hitting it and hitting it and i may as well tell you this some of you are ascending at every new level you're going to meet a new devil you leave here on a high, bless God, I'm going home. 
because of the times, I got to a new level. I got news for you. When you drive into town, you're going to meet a new devil because the devil knows right where you are. And I don't mean to intimidate you because he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. You got to move into the things of God. There's a birthing among us. In the last day outpouring unifies old men. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. No gap in the move of God. Old men and young men. But you need our hand. Why, Brother Tenney? Because it doesn't take long to go from glory to goofy. Is that right? Mildly anointed. The next thing you know, you're so off the wall. That's why you got to build character to sustain your anointing. And you've got to allow the young ones to make some mistakes. You don't overcorrect them so harshly that they'll never be able to take a step of faith again. Some of my old mentors. Some of the things they told me they got into, old brother D.O.S. said they came along preaching we couldn't eat pork. Said we gave up our bacon. Said they came along preaching we had to keep Saturday for the Sabbath. Said we kept Saturday. There we were, we're living on the river and couldn't eat catfish and couldn't eat. They came through all of that. And I'm not criticizing. But thank God for the hands of elders that could share with us and keep us from going from glory to goofy. Some big revelation are fussing about some old doctrine that's 2,000 years old and in my generation we've already rehashed it two or three times but it just keeps coming up. An endless genealogy is always chasing something. Fables. Turn this younger generation loose. Let them make some mistakes. A fella, fella said, told me not too long ago, said, you know, a fellow prophesied something. Said, I don't believe it came to pass. Said, he's a false prophet. Said, Old Testament said, kill him. Said, take him out and stone him. Said, that's what I said. I don't have a bit of use for those so-called prophets. Said, I've heard so much of that junk. I said, let me tell you something. I said, I've heard a lot more bad sermons than I've heard bad prophecies, but I'm not giving up on preaching. And besides that, in the New Testament, Paul said, two or three sit by and judge, and judge the prophecy, not the prophet. If he's off, correct him. Don't kill him. Now, that didn't go over, but I said it. You're going to make some mistakes. Let them make some mistakes. Quit riding herd on them all the time like some frustrated drill sergeant. Well, I didn't say let them go into false doctrine and I let the standard down. Why we always got to cover a particular part of our anatomy before we can say anything. But anyhow, I'm talking about... It's not as bad as the last preacher said, but anyhow.
fourth thing you got to do is, is he turned to the king. Hey, let me tell you this. Mary and her other children came to take Jesus one time because they heard he'd gone off the deep end. You remember that? They want to take him back to Nazareth. And Mary was his mother. Sometimes we want to control what we gave birth to and forget who it belongs to. Then he turned to the king. He said, open the window. You've got to embrace the vision. Embrace it. You've got to have direction. This is the era of the Lord's deliverance. It'd be a strange thing to teach a child how to shoot a bow and arrow and then say practice in the living room. This generation has got to be able to give vision to the next generation. There are open windows today, windows of opportunity. The Bible never did say God shut a window. It always says he opens windows, but he shuts doors. Because there's always got to be a vision of a lost world. Pull your bow back. You've got your hands. Come up here, grandson, again. Give him one of those arrows and one. Uh, get it, get it. Okay, put, put an arrow in it. No need to shoot at these four walls. They all know it. Let me give you some direction. Lift that arrow up. Get this thing out of this building through that open window of opportunity that God has given you. The church is the most evangelized half acre in the world. Our main business is the field out there. I'm pointing you to an open window. I can't make the shot for you, but here's the power. You're the one that's going to have to do the aiming and get the burden and say, I can hit the bullseye. I can do it. God called me, and God's going to equip me, and God's going to power. You better believe, Brother Keys. God can! We got to transfer vision! And remember, I got my hand on the bow, and I taught you how to use the gifts, and now I'm releasing you to go forth in the name of the Lord. But remember, I'm always behind you, leaning, and I may whisper in your ear, but we've got a world to take for Jesus, and this is the greatest age of revival the church of the living God has ever known. We've got more open windows. Somebody shout yes! Teach them to lift up their eyes and see beyond. Quit nitpicking on one another. The Jews, the Grecians came, came to Jerusalem, beautiful temple, lavish, covered with gold. You know what they said? Sirs, we would see the temple. Sirs, we would hear the choir. Sirs, we want to know how you got that capital work on the top of that pillar up there, those lilies. How'd you do? No, all they said was, sirs, we would see Jesus. In the upper room, day of Pentecost, they came out with power, but no program. But we come out of the committee room with plenty of program, but no power. And what I'm here to tell you is your programs are good. Your methodology is fine, but don't.
forget. And this is what we've got to transfer. You can inherit our churches. You can inherit our creeds. You can even say, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. You, you can inherit our doctrines. You can inherit our manual. But I'm not talking about the manual. I'm talking about Emmanuel. And it's an experience with him that we want to transfer to you, not just physical properties, but it's a moving in the Holy Ghost and listening to the wind and identifying our gifts and having vision and understanding that God has called you to this generation. Teach them. Vision. Then in verse 17, he said, shoot! what he says and the Bible said he shot he did everything just like he's told to do he said now this is the era of deliverance and we, we, we need to train men to obey and command train and send forth deliverers I don't want to die a mad old preacher or a bitter one either I want to deliver the vision to the next generation that you've got to obey but you got to command. He has given you dominion. He has given nothing dominion over you. You can let yourself take dominion over you, but no spiritual power. Can we obey? Can I? If I could sum up the Bible in one word, I've said this so many times, I've wore it out. It would be submission. You know how to obey? You can get so gifted and lifted till you're going to be sifted and drifted. <laughs> I told Brother Keys, there's God canners and there's can godders. I want to be a God canner. I don't want to be a can godder. God can. But we got to lift up our eyes and obey submission you need somebody in your life you need a Paul a Barnabas and a Timothy a Paul to speak an apostolic word a Barnabas a peer that walks alongside of you can jerk your coattail and call you by your first name and you need a Timothy you're mentoring but you always need an apostolic voice Brother Tom Barnes has been my apostolic voice and is now my pastor since my pastor's gone I don't want to live without an apostolic voice. You can criticize them all you want to. I want an apostolic voice. I want an apostolic ministry. Okay, you, you, you've got to shoot. It's out there. Sometimes no specific target. Just trust. Where's it going to hit? I don't know. I'm going to let her go. If one stray arrow can hit a king between the shoulder blades and kill him, this arrow under the unction of the Holy Ghost can find somebody out there. Then, verse 18, he said, smite the ground. Are we willing to obey? Let me tell you something we Pentecostals don't like. I've been preaching four to five minutes. Some of you are looking at your clock. I know I'm all right. Thank you. 
First ministry word of John the Baptist was repent. First ministry word of Jesus was repent. First word of Peter when asked what must we do was repent. The last word of Jesus to the church was not worship. It's found in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. It was repent. He called those seven churches. We're saying when this world repents, we'll have revival. God says when my church repents, we're waiting on the world to repent. And the world's waiting on the church to repent. Oh, we're so afraid of that word. Our hidden motives and our innuendos and our false ambitions and uh, our egos that need to be nailed to the cross and keeping score on the brother down the road and, and wondering if these results really happened in Ethiopia and if uh, Brother Mark Morgan was really telling the truth when he spoke last night and always got our tally cards out and, and the reason he's growing is he don't keep the standard and the man that's got the, the growing church says of the man down the road the reason he he don't grow is he don't have a good program in his church and they're all wrong they're all worshiping numbers one in the superlative the other the, the diminutive anything you do he said even down to basically taking a drink of water paul said you do it to the glory of god everything you do is to the glory of god quit nitpicking and keeping score and if your brother down the road's having revival shout and if they say a hundred got the holy ghost say aren't you sure it, well, maybe it was 200 maybe it was 300 rejoice with them that rejoice then he said smite the enemy verse 18 smite the ground he didn't say one another the holiness without love is not God's kind of holiness and love without holiness is not God's kind of love. Now, sometimes you just got to smite. He told us to plunder the palaces of hell. Take the arrows, he said. And he said, smite the ground. Where's the other one? Holies, give this bow to somebody who knows how to use it here. Smite the ground, king. See what I mean? Barely obey. How little can I get by with? What do you want? Smite the ground, king. One, two, three. Oh, we got a good king on the throne. Hallelujah. But you know what he did? He smote it three times, and that's what made the old prophet angry. You gotta be committed to continuity, to hanging in there, not to just what's expected, but going beyond. He didn't disobey the prophet. He hit it one. You didn't say how much. You know, well, Pastor, you didn't say how much to pray and how much to fast. And you know, you didn't say how much to give when you are obsessed with this thing and it gets a hold of you. Hallelujah. And you're committed to it. It's everything. It's everything. Take the limits off the atonement. It's everything. Take the limits off the atonement. He is everything. He can do anything.
never reach a level of maturity at which we understand truth without enduring pain. And there's some things that we got to understand that God knows about we don't know. So just smite the ground. Smite it. We need some fanatics today. Why didn't he tell him how many times? We can't answer all your questions. Some things you got to figure out for yourself. Lord, teach us to pray. Only he teaches how to pray. Pray. And sin changes. The devil changes sin. You know, he does. It puts on a new cloak. Same old girl. New cloak. We've dealt with TV and we've had video and well, now we got computers. Now we got internets. There's some things that you have to find out how to handle. I think the Lord's finally going to get this church to where he is going to determine who loves him and doesn't love him, rules or no rules, because in today's generation, we can't make enough rules to keep you straight. But if you love God, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But if the love of the Father is in you, it's going to keep you from the world. That's the only rule you really need to know. If you've really got the love of the Father in you, it's going to keep you from worldliness. It's going to keep you straight. It's going to keep you living right. Anybody here love Jesus? Is there anybody here that loves Jesus? But is my nature as such that those who follow me and, and, and these elders will know that we dealt with sin, we didn't play with it, we beat it till it was consumed, and we only gave pulp to the next generation. Because we dealt with sin. Not judgmentally. Well, the old prophet was angry. I showed you an open window. I tried to transfer the power. The last test was you didn't get it. If you had just kept hitting it, hitting it, hitting it, you would have subdued that nation. But you got discouraged and you checked out. And you decided it wasn't worth it. There's nothing in this world, no knowledge, no books, no musty old tape, nothing that... T.W. Barnes could leave this generation any more than how to appreciate and move and operate, not for your glory, but in the spirit for the glory of God and to know the sound, to recognize open windows and to have courage. So he died without ever passing his anointing along. How you know he didn't pass it along, Brother Tenney? Because when he was long in the grave and it was nothing but bones, and a dead man hit his bones, the anointing was so in those bones until the anointing of a previous generation spoke to a present generation and said, don't forget the power. And that dead man leaped back to life. There's some bones we better remember and some bones that we better touch. Letting my wheels down. They're bones we need to touch. A passion 
how to host the Holy Ghost. There's something in the elders I want to recapture even from their grave. And if you die with the anointing on you, when people remember your life, they'll be encouraged and revived by the example of your faithfulness. And we need to visit the bones. I heard Elder Barnes preach the other day. See, God doesn't reveal himself to casual relationships. And he referred back to old brother A.T. Morgan. Remember that, Bogalusa? And he talked about old brother B.E. Eccles. Talked about old brother Wise. You know what this man was doing? He was reaching back in a generation before him and touching bones. And there was still life there. Whatever they knew died with them, but they transferred to his generation. The life of the Spirit. And every time he touched their memory... He's plugged in. They're dead and gone, but he being dead yet speaketh. God help us to sell out entirely. It's a high price on some of your heads because the devil knows if I can take out this man, think of how many I'll affect. And God has to show us ourselves because how how can we conform to what God wants us to be if we can't see ourselves? A lot of criticism today. I, you know, I've been in charge. I'm a superintendent. I told a group the other night, you know, show me the empty pews here. You know, maybe we need a new pastor. Look at these empty pews. You know something? You know why we got empty pews in some of our churches? Because we got empty cars driven by saints come into those churches if every car that comes to your church was full then your pews would be full it's not the man in the pulpit's fault it's the man behind the steering wheel that's in such an all fire hurry till he doesn't have time to get out on sunday and get him a load up and witness and say come go come go to a life-changing place with me let me tell you what happened to me and if our cars would come full our churches would be full pass it on I know if I can think it, God can do it because he's able to do above everything we ask or think. 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 Well, last thought. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad for what we have heard. I remember the woman that pressed into Jesus. 12 years of illness, weak, had to fight the crowd in her weakened condition, not to get a good seat because of the times, but to touch the hem of his garment. But she said, if I can touch him, I'll be changed. And really, she didn't touch him. She just touched something that was touching him. And if you can leave here having been touched, and you can touch somebody, but you've been here and you've touched him, then they're touching something that touched him. Take it to your churches and virtue will flow through you. But that woman had to fight oppress. She had to fight logic. She had to fight everything to get to Jesus. But she said, nothing is going to keep me from getting to him. And she got to him.
touch the hem of his garment. You know what? Uh, Brother Mangan, I've had preachers tell me they wouldn't come because of the times because they couldn't get a seat. What if that woman would have said, Now, of all the crowd closing that pressed in on him, because the, the apostle said, there's so many here, what do you mean, who touched you? Only one in that crowd had the connection of faith. One. Don't you want to be the one at because of the times? If nobody else gets it, if nobody else leaves here with a word from the Lord, I mean, I'm going to press in. And I'm going to take a touch. I'm not just going to get a touch. I'm going to take a touch back home. And somebody that touches me is going to say, where have you been? And who have you touched? And what has happened to you? And we can change this world. We can change this world. Is there anybody here that believes we can change this world? We can change this world. We can change this world. I don't want to die angry. Young men, listen to me. There's always a man of falling. But there's not always a young man running to catch that mantle. Somebody's got to be desperate. Somebody's got to run after it. Somebody's got to press in. Somebody's got to say, as Brother Mitchell did, if nobody else gets it, I'm going to get it. I'm taking this burden home with me. God, let's lift our hands to him. Holy Ghost, vision, Shatamoya. Closing moments of this service, let me tell you what I want to do. If you are a preacher or a preacher's wife and you're 25 or younger, I want you to step out in the aisle from where you are. Just stand there. Don't, don't come down here. Just step out and stand. Now, if you're an older preacher and you've been preaching for, say, 25 or 30 years, I want you to step out and lay hands on these young men and women. If they don't get the power... If you don't remember a word you heard it because of the times, please understand the principle of the bow. It's the same old power. That's the only way we're going to do it. Older brethren, would you mind slipping out? Let's try to. There's something about anointed hands. We talk about anointed lips. The anointing can flow from the hands. That's all right. I want it. I want what Brother Tenney's been talking about. I want to leave here changed. That's right, Brother Barnes. The old man who died angry. You got to have it not by power, not by might. The only way is the Holy Ghost. No other way. Let their hands be anointed, Lord. 
you got to understand the principle of it. There's open windows. Know your gifting. Don't be afraid to risk it and move into the Spirit. Say, you that are still in the pews, reach over and lay your hands on your brother and sister. And in the balcony, the same, let's pray for one another that there be a transference of power from this place and that we'll impact our world because of what we took from here. Not just words, but an impartation of Holy Ghost power. What a great message. What a great message. What a great message.